0: Here you are again, prepared to turn the page. You know the risk and know the danger. Let us begin. The winter of 1928 was a harsh and brutal thing, and it didn't hit anywhere in East Tennessee harder. Then in a town called Lonely. In that town, it felt like the wind would slice you down to your bones, and the snow would pile over you to bury what was left. Most of those that died in that winter were due, in no small part, to exposure. Most, but not all of them. It was early getting to the throes of that blasted winter, and already some of the houses far out of town and up the hill stood empty. Most of the time, the families that lived way out tended to be hard up for supplies when the storms came in, rather than deal with the blizzard in isolation. They made their trek down to Lonely and bunked with family or friends for a few days until it all blew over. Sometimes, though, they didn't have anyone who could or would take them in, so those poor families would end up sleeping in the boarding house. This year was rougher, though. Now, I had been sheriffed lonely going on ten years, and not once in all that time did I have as many families begging for me to let them sleep a night in our jail cells, as I did in the winter of 1928, when I stepped out of my house, steaming coffee in my hand and porch boards creaking under my feet. I knew it was going to be another bitter cold day. It hadn't snowed yet, but the threat was there. The clouds overhead floated along like ghosts of long-dead giants. I hadn't even made it to the station before Johnny Henson ran up on me like he had devils chasing him. Sheriff, we need you. There's something wrong. I just know it. I sipped my coffee and kept walking. To Johnny Henson, something was always wrong. The half-frozen ground crushed under Johnny's boots as he followed me. Now, Sheriff, I know I've cried wolf a time or two in the past, but this one is for real. "'My cousins never came down from the hills before the last storm hit. "'We haven't seen nothing of them.' "'Have you tried driving your Rio up there and taking a look for yourself?' "'I did that. I swear I did. "'The house was completely empty.' "'I took a sip of my coffee and said a silent thank you to the good lord above for granting me patience. "'If the house is empty, they must have bunked down with another family.' or in the boarding house. Johnny wasn't having any of it. I've checked with the Williams, the Port Rawls, and the Franks, and even the Killians. Ain't nobody seen them. I reached the station across the street and stuck my key in the lock of the front door. It was frozen solid. I hammered on the mechanism to break up the frost and then jammed the key home. Johnny, you obviously haven't looked everywhere. Now, they aren't here in the station. So do yourself a favor and go look somewhere else. I turned and blocked the door with my body as I slipped inside the station house, locking the door behind me. It was dark inside. None of the other officers had arrived yet. I reached over and turned up the lights, hearing the electric buzz as the room came into better focus.
1: Sheriff Jim White, what did you do? With my offering.
0: The voice was just as chilling as the figure of a woman sitting casually in the chair behind my desk. She was naked, and her tan skin seemed to glow with a light of its own. Her piercing blue eyes locked unblinking on mine, staring into my soul. I don't know what you're referring to, my queen. The guardian of the wild scoffed me in disgust. She knew I was lying. She could always tell... But what she didn't know was where I stashed the hard-rotted family. I knew the cold winds blowing through the valley were her doing, just like I knew it was her frustration that turned the winds to ice. She had long since tolerated me in her territory, only because of our mutual agreement that the humans were to be hunted and slaughtered when the need arose. The need had indeed arisen that I had taken one's mark for death. The Queen was displeased that her true children had gone hungry. Good. A little desperation would do. She would be angry, but I was tired of living in her shadow. I knew she'd kill me for this, and I'd taken the family anyways. Truth be told, they were delicious. I didn't regret a thing. They were still alive, and that meant the Queen couldn't feed their souls to her twisted children or her pet stag. It was also precisely precise the point. I couldn't touch the queen. She had been gathering power for more than two hundred years, and I'd only gotten a tendency from the old country a decade ago. I knew if her stag grew hungry, it would get reckless. That would give those meddling witches that lived just outside of town a good bet on taking it down. So, the queen would kill me. That was acceptable. I'd been dead before, come to think of it. I've been dead longer than I've been alive, and each time I came back stronger. With one breath the Queen let out a cold wind inside the station. It froze my veins, and everything went black. It was 1949 before I clawed my way back out of the grave, and the first thing on my agenda was to see what I had missed. The town alone looked different. The lights were brighter, the streets were cleaner, and the cows more numerous. I hid in the shade of the wood line at the edge of town. It wouldn't do too well if I simply strolled back into town smelling of death and covered in grave dirt. That was bad enough without taking into account my mostly rotted skin and rat-eaten features. No, I needed a new body, a fresh body to inhabit. I found one easy enough. There was some poor drunk sap trying to make his way home from the bar, staggering left and right on the sidewalk. I waited deep in the shadows between the streetlights. I waited, and he walked towards me. Just as he stepped out from under the beam of yellow light, I grabbed him. The man didn't have a scream to let out. I tore out his throat and placed it with my corpse. It was unfortunate he died so quickly after that. I could have perhaps taken more of him but in my haste, I'd killed the man too soon. Not that I had a voice again, I could use that. A voice could lure more unsuspecting victims into Jim White's grasp. The rest of the night was one for the history books, and indeed the town of Lonely did put quite a bit out in the newspaper. The police were quite lost and confused, searching for any kind of person or animal that would kill the way I did. Finally a hole again, I turned my attention to information. I had learned of nothing while I was in the earth, hibernating and soaking in the rich leafy soil. The queen must have blocked me, and it was what made it take so long for me to return. She would surely know that I was back by now, but I needed to learn what the status was. The pieces on the cosmic board game must have moved in my absence. It was always the way of things. I learned two things of import before the queen once again caught up to me. First, I found that the Holloway brats had indeed taken my gift and sealed the queen's pet stag away. They had done more than that, however. The witches in that household had found a way to ward its grave and keep it locked away. That was a good life, however wretched. Was the queen's domain? Death was mine. She could not do anything to free her prize steed from the ground so long as the witches maintained their wards. The queen was weakened by the loss of a pet, but she still had her children of darkness. The second thing I learned was that slowly and cautiously, civilization and technology had penetrated the wilds and driven back her power. She was a guardian of a rapidly shrinking land. Concrete and asphalt roads replaced the creeping vines and moss. Life was leaving the valley, and with it, her power was diminishing. The queen was still the strongest and most terrifying being east of the Appalachian Mountains. But there was a chink in her armor. She killed me again, and this time I didn't even have a name yet. So the townspeople of Lonely put my body in a mock grave. That suited me just fine. This time, I didn't sit and wait, sneaking a trickle of power from the earth as I did the first time. I knew the queen's days were numbered. Death was my domain, and I drank deep from the rotting corpses placed around me in the cemetery. When I rose again, I did it sooner, and my power was much greater than the last time. It was just turning towards fall in 1976. Instead of setting a trap to get a new body that was sure to get the queen's attention, I slung through the undergrowth outside of town. I found the Holloway farm and saw the strength of their wards. Time had been kind to the witches, and they had grown in power. I saw the family had grown in the time I had spent in the ground. It looked like the old granny had passed on, though. The younger ones wouldn't be ready to take on the Queen, but I had a plan. It took some time, a few days, or maybe more, to find Granny Holloway's grave. There were wards placed on her headstone preventing anyone or anything from raising her, but that was the last thing I wanted. I dug down and ripped open her coffin, taking her heart in my hands. I placed it in my chest. And felt the wards the witches had placed throughout the town shudder and finally see me as a friend smiling through my work i carefully laid granny holloway back in the earth and covered her grave if the queen hadn't been able to kill the witch's family then now she couldn't kill me i made for myself a fresh body once again from the disaffected of the town of lonely and just as before, the police stood baffled. They chalked it up to a serial killer who had suddenly returned to town. <laughs> they had finally gotten something right, but it was too bad for them that they couldn't find me. I waited for the danger to subside before putting the next step in my plan into action. Finding the brass Stags grave was not hard. With a Holloway heart beating in my chest, the grave shone like a beacon in the wilds. Life was the queen's domain, and death was mine. I pulled the stag from its grave and set it outside the ward for the queen to find. It didn't take her long. Waiting patiently is what I do. It's easier when one never has to breathe or sleep. I didn't even need to eat, but I enjoyed it. The queen did not disappoint. She revived her pet just as expected and then moved the pieces on the cosmic chessboard to take her revenge on the Holloways. She used the stag to kidnap the little boy. I was even surprised by that move. I enjoyed the show. The rest of the girls chased after the stag and searched through the brush looking for their lost child. They found each other. And when the two great powers of East Tennessee clashed, there was almost nothing left of either from the edge of the clearing, I sat and watched the young woman and little boy climb out of the stag's empty grave and head back to their home. I grinned like a Cheshire cat with too many teeth. Fall was almost here, and the queen was gone. I was sure to have a white Christmas.
1: Well, dark valiants, you have come again to listen to one of our little morsels. With this episode, we explored a little more into the history of the Holloway family from the perspective of one not quite friendly towards them. You have some answers, but many more await us in the months to come. This story is a production of the Malusi, who wish you a happy holiday full of festivities and cheer, and if you are very, very lucky, you may even survive the experience. This story, A White Christmas, written by Devin McCamey, is part two of our Mortis Morsels miniseries, which takes place in the confines of our dark universe. The episode was narrated by Gorath Hyun, who also lent his voice to Jim White and Johnny. The voice of the Queen was brought to life by Rosie Knuckles. Our audio effects and music is thanks to Epidemic Sound. The artwork for the episode was created by Brandon McCamey. Thank you for listening. And, if you want to find out more about the world of Mortis Maledictum or to read ahead, visit us on our website at www.mortismaledictum.com.
0: And thus, the story is ended. The Tale Told The Chapter Closed